My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Bree Castellini. I used to be a person who talked about Poldark a lot. Remember that? Oh, those good times. <laughs> the world was very different then. And this is Burn Notice, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, listen to our intro episode or wait until the end when we'll explain them again, maybe. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, please get in touch. You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind unless you have written for the television show Burn Notice, maybe. At burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com or at our Twitter at burn noticed pod and those are burn noticed with a d because that is the name of our show it sure is so this is an episode of television written by a particular writer of television whose name is michael horowitz this is important because at long last after two months of occasionally making reference to it in show uh, i cut most of them out but some of them i left in that were more veiled we actually are within one degree of separation from Jeffrey Donovan. And that is because uh, we we made contact with Michael Horowitz, who, if you'll remember, has written some of our absolute favorite episodes of Burn Notice so far. He wrote Bad Breaks. He wrote um, the really wholesome episode from earlier in the season. I think it was called Good Soldier, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, uh, he, yeah. wrote one, he wrote one of the uh, episodes with... Madeline's boyfriend. He wrote the second one when he comes back. Um, which we love. And which we really love. So like every episode that Michael Horowitz has written so far has been both a great episode of Burn Notice and a great episode of television. He is the only person with that record. And we really like him. And on a whim, about two months ago, one month ago, time means nothing. I followed him on Twitter from the burn noticed account just because i was like he doesn't have that many followers maybe he'll notice us we do love him so and uh he immediately followed back and it was very exciting it was on the po- we were literally we were literally the recording the podcast as this was happening it was episode Bree seven cannot, and eight not do three things at once i can't i need i i constant stimulation i require constant stimulation uh wink so uh, we cut all of this out because of what we're about to say. What are you doing right now as you're saying this? I'm looking at Michael Horowitz's email feeling shame. So, <laughs> so anyways, here's the problem. The problem is Michael Horowitz followed us back on Twitter, which was really cool of him. I immediately tweeted at him, retweeting like the promo tweet from the Bad Breaks episode, which was, of course, glowing. We were like, hey, we love you. Will you come on our show? Because I was like, fucking, why not? Who gives a shit? And he was like, sure. And then he DM'd us. And then we were like, oh, my God, this is real. The problem is that we had this Twitter interaction with him. Literally, that we were recording the episodes the day before season three premiered. Our show, our, our season three premiered. And if you'll remember, back in the day, uh, we were not a particular fan of season three, episode one, and all of the social media promotion about it, which I had already scheduled weeks in advance, was not very uh, complimentary. And even if he hadn't 
listen to that particular episode. He did listen to at least part of an episode of our show. <laughs> and if it was the pilot episode, we were also not very kind to the pilot episode way back when. And so we had given him our email. Chris and I had like worked out like what our recording system would be. We wrote up a bunch of questions that we wanted to ask him because we were like so excited to get to interview an actual burn notice writer on the show. And then he emailed us and was like, very Listen. gracious. Very, so gracious. Very Honestly, gracious. He, he was, he did not need to be this cool. And he was, and he was like, so I probably should have listened to your show before agreeing to be on it. Correct. <laughs> uh, and he was like, I'm as flattered as I am that you've really liked my episodes. I wish you liked burn notice as a whole better. So, so. does our audience. <laughs> It's true. It's really true. And then he was like, he also kind of took us to task because he, whatever episode he listened to, uh, we were mean to Matt Nix on it. And um, <laughs> he was like, listen, just so you know, in a television writer's We're mean room, to his very good friend who gave up, who gives him a lot of work. Yeah, exactly. So we, we, we had been mean to Matt Nix and he was like, and he still works with Matt Nix. They're like working yeah. on a new show together. Um, and he was like, so I don't super feel comfortable being, I don't know either of them are married, but they were, one of them was definitely at another's wedding. Like, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. They're like actually good friends. They weren't, it wasn't like a boss employee relationship. Like they're, they're colleagues. Um, and so he was basically like, if you guys have any questions, I'm happy to answer them when I have a chance, but, uh, I, I, I'm not going to actually come on your podcast. And we were like. That's super fair. So we sent him a bunch of questions. He he responded to two questions that we asked. And so we're going to read them now um, just to, like, give you guys an insight into the burn notice writer's room, uh, which is just it was very cool of him to, to reach out and um, to even consider talking to us and to even despite us being mean to his very good friend and colleague, uh, answer any of the questions we sent him because he hasn't followed up since and we're certainly not going to push it. Um, no. But so the two questions he answered were. One, how did he get involved with Burn Notice? And then two, we asked him to rate our rating system. Uh, we, we explained to him how we decide what a great episode of Burn Notice is and if he thought that that was fair. Uh, so those are what he responded. This is what he responds with. So in terms of how he came to Burn Notice, Matt actually introduced me to the spy who Burn Notice was based on years before the show. So I had worked with both of them. I was attached to direct a feature, so I didn't come on the first season, but I wrote directed the web content. It used to be a thing. Um, yeah, for a while, a lot of USA television series had like web series spinoff things, like Suits had one yeah. that actually the director of the last episode directed some of the Suits webisodes. Um, so like that used to be a thing. Uh, so apparently uh, Michael Horowitz used to wrote and re- write and direct some of the web content for Burn Notice. Then he started as a staff writer in season two and loved it. Unlike most shows on Burn Notice, staff writers were sent to set to produce. So I was thrown into the fire immediately. First produced Comrades, which we loved. Was mm-hmm. another That was a Tracy and O'Neill episode, I think. Um, I thought he did Comrades. Then, huh? I thought he did Comrades. No, that I think we thought he did Comrades because we liked oh. it so much, but I, I don't think it was actually him. Yeah, it was it was O'Neill and Tracy. Oh, interesting. 
Um, so he produced, and like he said, he, so first I produced Comrades, went back for Rough Seas, which is the one that he, the first one that he wrote, etc. Through the run of the series, I spent about a year of my life in Miami, which was great. The weather was insane, blowing up shit was insane, and the speed of production was insane. Directors would routinely call it the hardest job in TV because of everything we would try to pull off in only seven days of shooting. Most TV is shot in nine or ten days per episode. It is wild that they uh, shoot this in a week. Like, holy shit. Yeah. That, I mean, it explains a lot. <laughs> For one thing, but it is also extremely impressive about how much they managed to accomplish in like three days less of time than any other much simpler show put together. Um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, and then he also said in response to our, our episode metric, like, you know, it, it needs to have five practical spy tips. It needs to have a distinct alias. F- Sam and Fee need to be used well. Uh, he responds with, I like your great episode metric. We were definitely writing in reaction to 24 and other torture-friendly shows. So if Michael has to kill someone, it's a huge deal. We were obviously on the USA network, so we couldn't get too violent, even if we'd wanted to. Two other things that mattered to me were, one, fun banter with friends, which I think was why fans kept coming back. Agree. I think that the the tone of this show is a big part of why Chris and I do genuinely like it, even when we're being pissy about it. Uh... And two, a satisfying takedown of the bad guy. Burn notice was never about the clients. <laughs> that much is obvious. They were mostly there for our network friends. The best episodes took down a bad guy by using his or her personality against them, which is spycraft, so you're already accounting that for a little bit. Again, so gracious and so nice. Wasn't that a, wasn't that a sweet response? So yeah, it was so, so we sweet. have officially... <laughs> he did not have to be. Mm-mm. We still are huge fans and... It's unfortunate that yeah, it would have been really cool to actually like talk. I stand by things that most things that we've said on this show. I do too, and we're we're also like trying to be you know we're we're doing a comedy thing, right? Like we're when we call Matt Nick's Big Daddy Nick's, you know, it's just sort of our our kind of our our stylings and exactly. Have we always been nice to everyone on this show, Matt Nick's included? No, but also like putting myself into that position, like if if yeah. If Burn Notice Noticed was not recorded by our friends and was recorded by somebody else and they were, like, mean to you, Chris, I mm. would probably feel a little uncomfortable. Yeah, no, like, totally, if they, 100%. If, you wouldn't want... If it was, like, you know, slow talk and cherry or, like, something like that, which would be true, yeah. but, but, <laughs> but, like, like yeah. if somebody... I was somebody also going to say, like, yeah, we've been a little mean to Matt Dix, but we're also very mean to each other. It's true, but we're mean to each other, and that's different. You know, it's like, you know, no one else can beat up my little sister. Only I can beat up my little sister kind of like vibe. Yeah, exactly. And so Um, I get that. Like, I don't think he's wrong, and I don't think we're wrong. No, of course not. Like, you know, we could Um, be nicer. I don't think we need to be. We've never been actively malicious against anyone. No. Uh, And I also think that a lot of our criticisms, I mean, all of our criticisms are valid. Sometimes yeah. we might go in a little bit more because we have a history of like being frustrated by certain elements of this show. Like, but contextually, we got there for a reason. Yeah, like yeah. the reason that we are tough on this show is because we have watched this show and there are a lot of things about this show that do not work. And how much of that is just like it being dated and how much of that is just it was always a problem. That's, you know, a fair place to navigate and discuss. But ultimately, like this show is what it is. And right. I... I'm sad that we don't get to actually talk to Michael Horowitz, but we're very grateful to him for even answering a few of our questions. Um, and yeah. so we, without further ado, let's talk about his latest episode. Exactly. Let's talk about his episode. We should, at this point, I feel the need to say that 
our opinions on this episode of television are no way influenced by the communications that we've had with Michael Horowitz. Oh, no, not at all. We, in, in fact, since we've had the communications with Michael Horowitz, we, Michael Horowitz we've referenced him in several episodes, yeah. especially in context of like what works about his episodes that generally don't work about other similar writers. Like when we talk about like the O'Neill Tracy verse versus the Horowitz verse, you know, it often comes down to, you know, the Michael Horowitz has tighter scripts and O'Neill and Tracy are having a lot of fun, but are a little bit sloppier. Looser. Yeah. I mentioned this partially because I think that this might be the first Michael Horowitz episode that won't be a great episode. I suspected that as well. And it's too bad that it kind of coincides. I think there's exactly. a lot to like about this episode. But uh, I was telling Chris this off mic. I had to watch this episode twice. Uh, I watched it yesterday after I watched my episode that we did last week and did not internalize anything about it. And then before we recorded today, realized I should probably watch this again because I know we're talking about Michael Horowitz at the top of the show. And I should probably like have enough context for his episode to be able to talk about it. And so I watched it again and I I enjoyed it better the second time just because like I was paying attention more, but also there's a reason that it didn't stick yesterday. I will say, I also think there is partially a reason for that. Um, which okay. we'll get into in a second. Uh, this because right, so this episode, so Chris, take it away. Uh, season three, episode fourteen, "Partners in Crime," uh, aired on February eighteenth, twenty ten, and it was written by Michael Horowitz. And it was directed by a guy named Dirk Kraft, <laughs> uh, for whom this was his first directing gig. Hmm. Dirk has done much more work as an assistant director. Or a second unit director on, like, a bunch of stuff. Was um, he on Burn Notice before this? Was he an assistant director on Burn Notice? It, I probably, I didn't quite look at all of his um, AD. Because if this was his first time, case. it would track that, like, he knew somebody on the show. And they were like, Let's Yeah, I would assume that, like, he was second AD, like, he was second unit or something. Or AD. And then, like, this is his first directing. Because this is the first thing on his IMDb that he directed. This is the only episode that he directed. He has all of five directing credits to his name, starting with this single episode of Burn Notice and ending with a short film called Skinheads in Love. On IMDb, like, the most notable credit that they show, because, like, on IMDb, they'll, like, have the list, but they'll have, like, that, like, block of, like, the biggest things. Yeah, the thumbnail, like, the biggest things. And, like, the number one thing next to Burn Notice is... A Van Wilder sequel that he was AD on. So maybe this is not the most talented director in Hollywood. Perhaps not. And I'm wondering if that is where a lot of this episode's problems might fall. I think that it was also just sort of a meh episode. Like, it certainly wasn't the most exciting assignment. Like, I don't know. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to ask Michael Horowitz how, like, stories got, like, selected. Because usually the way that a writer's room works is that the showrunner and the staff kind of break down the season and kind of figure out, like, broad strokes what the big arcs are going to be and, like, pitch individual episode episode ideas. And then people get assigned to go write one script and then, like, the showrunner rewrites it and stuff like that. And I'm curious how people got assigned scripts like, if they picked them or if Matt just, like, said, hey, Michael, go write this one. Like, I, I would be very curious to know how it breaks down. Because I do not feel like this episode in particular was a very meaty one. It's not as exciting or complex as the other ones 
Michael Horowitz has written. Um, mm. There's a lot going on in it, but it was kind of boring. A little bit, yeah. It's a little bit boring. Yeah. So what was it about, Chris? If you ask the fine folks over at the Internet Movie Database, a socialite fashion designer who hired Sam and Michael to find out... Um, I got very distracted. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I got so distracted because Brie went into my notes where I had written IMDB in all caps and and made the B lowercase like they have it on their it, shit. That's how it is. I'm like, yes, it is. I don't give a shit. But I have like, to look I at get this it. with my own eyes, Chris. My own two eyes. <laughs> And she did that, and I like a deer in a headlights. I was so distracted, like a fly. Chris is reading the script, and I'm changing it as Chris is reading it. And uh, apparently, as we know, old Chris Cherry can't do two things at once. Cannot can't see something being changed and also read a sentence. No. So I'm so sorry, Chris. Please. Anyway, please I'm gonna start, start over. over. A socialite fashion designer who hired Sam and Michael to find out who's stealing from her turns up dead during the operation. Meanwhile, Michael needs Fee's help to find out more information about the flight that Gilroy's interested in. So, yep. like, there's a little bit there. The first, the idea that someone's going to wind up dead is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, and there's some, there's second some good second plot moments. doesn't sound all that good. But. Yeah, it's not interesting at all, basically. Um, all right. It's like, it's kind of just like a slightly very it's like a variant of something that we've sort of seen them do before it was fine it was just sort of like blah yeah. the fashion count, designer yeah. plot there was a lot of good like once again there's a lot of good scene level stuff like what like last week there's some like nice jokes and some funny yeah. scene level runners but like i don't think the overall thing yeah. excites my loins in the way that some episodes of the show don't. have all right but mm-hmm. let's 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 get into the weeds and like take that apart yeah my loins so, are cold as ice. Warm God. my loins, Chris. Oh. Michael and Fee are staking out a Polish consulate building. Because <laughs> someone who works there could have info on the plane that Gilroy is interested in. Very compelling. Uh, Fee isn't happy, of course, but it must be done. Michael's plan is to pretend to be a Russian businessman. Because uh, his Polish is rusty. Uh, not as bad as his Spanish, but... His Polish is rusty, but this this dude that they're like stalking, his mother is Russian. So he figures, I'll pretend to be a Russian businessman. And I'll approach this guy whose name is Conrad um, because he's the perfect mark because like his life sucks. Yeah, he's like he's going through a divorce or something and he's broke. Yeah, he's going and, through a divorce. You know, all, all, the, all the basic stuff that makes somebody a good mark on burn notice. Exactly. He's probably an alcoholic or something. It's bad. So Michael approaches Conrad, the perfect target, but it turns out that being Russian was the wrong move because this guy hates Russians. Apparently, Russians are part of the reason that his life sucks. <laughs> um, like, he was separated from his family, all this stuff. And so he is very, he does not want to betray his country at all. And he hates Russians. And he pulls like a gun on Michael and is like, fuck off. <laughs> um, and so, like, Fee has to come up and just knock him unconscious, and they, and then they just kind of split. Yep. Yep. That's it. Just left him there. At first, I thought like they were going to take him, 
or do something with him. But no, because later they're just like, well, we got to approach this guy again. So I guess they just left him on the beach or whatever. He was like, yeah, in they a don't cave. really explain what they do with him from there. He was like in, he looked like he was in like the cave that like Jesus was buried in. <laughs> it was a weird <laughs> that... meeting place. Yeah, well, yeah, it was like a lighthouse. It was very strange. Exactly. Anyway. So Michael needs a new plan now. And Fee volunteers to pose as an American intelligence officer and talk to Conrad because Americans also hate Russians. Um, but she wants we, cash. We sure do she, now. Will... Um, she wants cash because um, she will not do this for free. But Michael, of course, never has money. So yeah, he's, he's always like, buying, well, getting money from Fee. Exactly. So he's like, I guess I have to take a job. Uh, but luckily, Sam has been begging Michael to take this one job because it involves a theft at a fashion house. And there's tons of, like, models there. And so, like, the only thing that, like, Sam loves more than beer is models. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it pays well. So uh, Michael calls Sam and tells him that he's taking the job. And Sam reacts with a just childlike glee. It's just real like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> also, I don't, you watched this episode last night, right? Uh, and morning. today, because I had to watch it twice, remember? They I watched it like two hours ago. So fast in this scene. Yeah, also, where is Sam? Sam is on like a fucking rooftop or something. I don't know what he's doing. He's just hanging. Yeah, he's just like hanging on a rooftop, and it was very confusing. I don't know. It almost looked like you want there to be like a gag where we cut back to him and the camera pulls back and he's doing something like insane. Right. Maybe he's with Miss Reynolds, but we can never see Miss Reynolds. Is he still with Miss Reynolds at this point? Is that. I don't remember. Because like he did fuck up her car, but I think that might be fine. I think they. I think it's fine. Yeah, I I think they she's she's okay with him. Like, I don't think she's upset anymore. But yeah, everyone's talking really fast. And kind of emo- emotionally. It's like, we just, we, yeah, we just need to get to the next scene. But yeah, so this is, I, I mentioned this last week. I don't know how much it's staying in. But like, this week, the exposition seems particularly forced. Like, it just, yes. it feels very mechanical. Like, we just got to get to the next thing. We just got to fucking get out of this and get set up for like what we're doing. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a lot of very bald exposition. Like, not delivered particularly well, and not, like, written particularly well, but, like, that's what I wonder if part of it is first-time director. Yeah, maybe it could have... I mean, but that's, like, these performers are... should be used to delivering burn notice dialogue. Like, there's an extent to which, like, it's the performer's job to make exposition sound good. I mean, yeah, but it's also... Like a director's job to really give them something to work with. And I don't know exactly the breakdown of producing, putting these episodes together is how involved a director is on that, how involved they are in like breaking the episode script down and stuff. So I think there's just a lot, there's not a lot of polish here. No, there really isn't. It, it feels like they wrote, he wrote the script like the day before they had to shoot and was just like, exactly. yeah, this will get them to the place that they need to be. Right. Anyway, so the place they need to be is at the house of Isabella, the rich socialite, who is very much a rich socialite, which means that she has a little yappy dog that 
she loves. And Michael hates all of this. Michael hates Michael hates money so much that to be around things that cost money, <laughs> it, he it is gives upset. him hives. Yes, this is why he lives in his loft with nothing in it. He's like a monk who is uh, rejected capitalism, <laughs> which I respect. Um, yeah, Isabella explains that she was fighting with this guy who works for her, and then some money turned up missing. And that she thinks that this one guy stole the money. And it's their job to find it. Uh, Sam spends a lot of the scene just kind of flirting. And Michael's very awkward about it. <laughs> There's this great bit where, like, she offers them money. And he's like, what's your rate? Is $30,000 yeah, enough? $30,000? And Michael's like, no, we can't take $30,000. She's like, it's no problem. And, like, Jesus, it's no problem, Michael. <laughs> just take her money take money i don't know thirty thousand dollars that will set you for a while not like a long time but like if you're still bringing in money like that's a good amount of cushion like that is a like she has that's, so much that's money. like most she living does not expenses. need it yeah exactly and also, I was going to say that something else that sometimes pisses me off about, uh, like, media is when somebody is, like, depicted as, oh, no, you know, even though this would be easy money, I'm not going to take it. And it's like, why not? She clearly doesn't need the $30,000. No, it she actually does not. Is, she really doesn't need it because she's going to die. Yeah. But it's like, it's almost more privileged to be like, no, I don't need to take her money. 100% like, it is. And that honestly pisses me off more than someone who just, like, can give away $30,000 like it's nothing. God, yeah. Like, the anyway. idea that Michael Weston doesn't need to take it. That's, to be fair, that's though, to me. he, like, leaves. I'm not clear if they didn't take it. Because she's like, no, it's fine. Yeah, well, she wrote in the check else. and, like, I think hands it to Sam. Yeah, well, like, no, because there's this whole weird scene where she's like, $30,000. He's like, we can't take that. And like Sam's like, oh, maybe. And she's like, it's no problem. And they kind of, she kind of flirts with Sam some more. And then Michael just makes this really awkward, frustrated face and then leaves. And then, like, the camera pushes in on, the, on Sam just being kind of weird. I think I saw her hand the money to Sam. I'm, like, 90% It's, like, so sure. mannered. It's, like, I think she hands it to him or she's going to hand it to him. But, like... It's so mannered the way she hands it to him. Like, not in a way that humans would act. Meanwhile, Fee approaches Conrad, the um, Polish man who hates Russians, and asks about if there had been any Russians asking around. And Well, no, Conrad... so, so Fee pretends to be an American agent. Yeah, like, she's decide, an American. Like, they're yeah. going to switch. So she's an American agent, and she says, we know the Russians made contact with you. Yeah. Like, I think she just straight and, up says, like, we know the Russians tried to turn you. Yeah. Uh, you should know, you know, they're after X, Y, Z. Exactly. Um, he's really enthusiastic about hating Michael, but does not want to divulge info. But a combination of money and patriotism convinces him. But also, he wants the CIA file on the Russian man, a.k.a. Michael. So Fee mm -hmm. is going to have to make Michael a CIA file. As a Russian operative. As not a Russian like as Michael not his own, yeah. not, not as Michael Weston. Yes. Meanwhile, Michael and Sam discuss this rich socialite case. Um, apparently, Tim, the manager that 
Isabella suspects stole the money is totally clean on paper. So Sam can't do much on the research front, which means that he and Michael need to go to a party that Isabella is throwing. And one of them would have to sneak into Tim's office while the other one distracts all the models at the party. And Sam is very excited. But he's like, I want to play fair, so I'm going to flip a coin. And the winner gets to hang out with the models and Sam loses. (laughs) And the fact that, that Michael is just like... Yeah, you lose. I'll go do the model thing. Exactly. And even Sam doesn't Michael even fight doesn't him. want to do the model thing. <laughs> it seems like just to fuck with Sam, which I enjoy. Michael hates this whole case. Michael never not once likes the case, which I kind of enjoy. Oh, no. Well, because even it's a case like, explicitly to make money. And we know Michael Weston hates money. Exactly. But like, even when it seems like someone is actually in danger, he still doesn't give a shit. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Like, he he's really trying to save cute. the person, but like he doesn't care. He doesn't like the person. He has, he has he gives no fucks. He doesn't like anyone involved in this. Literally yeah, no he's, one. He's fully over it. Anyway, so they go to this party and Michael watches Tim, who is talking to Isabella's business partner, Damon. These are characters. Yep. <laughs> we don't learn much about them other than they're both like people who are there. Tim works for her, like, Damon works with her. Uh, Meanwhile, Sam finds more info in the form of a second set of books. Um, He takes some pictures of the books, and Michael tells him to send the pictures to Isabella. But Isabella has to go home because she's supposed... It's really confusing because she says, I'm actually supposed to be meeting, like, looking over Damon's designs at home, but I'm at the party so I should leave the party. But also, like, it's her party? Like, what? Yeah, well, and she says it like she needs to, like, go before he notices her. And then it's like, well, then why did you get all dressed up and go to the party? Exactly. If you're not supposed to be seen? Like, what's what's happening? Is it just so you can point out Tim? Like, I don't understand. Just, share, just show him a picture. Yeah, like, why is she there? It's like she totally... But she doesn't even play it like, oh, my God, I forgot. She just sort of says it. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, it's to, very I'm weird. She's just like, I have to leave now. Excuse me. Um, It's so weird. So she leaves. She sure does. And then Tim leaves to meet her at her house. And then Michael follows Tim, which was also confusing because I thought first when I was watching it that she was supposed to meet Damon at the house. Right. But no, she's supposed to meet Tim at the house to look at Damon's designs. And so... Yeah, well, because it's like, because it's their company. It's like, it's her company. She was a model. And then Damon was the designer. But now they're like business owners. Yeah. And Tim is just a manager. Anyway, so Tim goes to the house and Michael follows him. And then outside the house confronts him and says like, "I'm, I'm a spy. Um, like, <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you, I'm we a have, spy. We have pictures of, like, second books and shit. You've been doing bad shit. I'm spy. Tim is like, what the fuck? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> also, I saw you at the party with the woman who was supposed to be home looking at designs. Exactly. And now she's here. It's weird. But anyway, this whole, this all changes when they go into the house, 
Um, well, first they notice that something is wrong because her little dog is just outside barking. Mm-hmm. And they realize, oh, no, something's up. And it turns out that Isabella is dead, uh, as we learned from IM, IMD lowercase b. <laughs> uh, Branding is important. Anyway, and Tim's gun that he has um, has been left there as evidence. And someone called the police. Guess Tim has been framed. So Michael grabs the gun, and he and Tim skedaddle out of there. They, like, crawl over a... They have to crawl over a wall, and he's bad at it, and Michael's annoyed. That special kind of annoyed that Michael is whenever someone doesn't know how to spy. Which is most episodes. Exactly. Uh, But they skedaddle, and Michael takes Tim back to the loft, and Tim is freaking out and wants to go to the police, but they aren't sure if they should trust him yet, and that's why they can't go to the police this week. Um... And he says that, Tim says that Damon was the one that was stealing the money. And he thinks that Damon has probably killed her. Uh, But Damon has a good alibi, though, because he was at the party. (laughs) Um, So they need to find evidence that it was Damon what did it. Yep. So Michael approaches Damon and pretends to be Isabella's secret other business partner, who is smuggling heroin into the country in Isabella's clothes. Which I like. I think once they get to this point, like, that's a fun premise. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's, like, it's not a memorable alias in that there's a fun character. But, right. um, but like, the idea that he just shows up and being like, oh, yeah, no, I sell drugs. She was selling drugs, smuggling drugs the whole time. You didn't know about all the heroin? Oh my there god, like I can't believe so she told, much didn't tell you about, like, all of the heroin. She was so deep into smuggling heroin. Mm-hmm. It was so funny. We, like, talk about it all the time. Like, she fucking loved heroin. Like, you have no idea. Yeah. Not doing it, but selling it and distributing it. Yes, specifically. She loved the business of heroin. But he tells Damon, like, I guess we're partners now. The police better not figure out that we were smuggling all that heroin. Otherwise, I'm going to have to kill you. <laughs> also, Damon, Damon is just like a scumbag. Like, he's a real cheesy. They have a, like, fun title for him as, like, sleazy bastard or something. And, like, this guy is very sleazy. He's cartoonishly sleazy. Meanwhile, Fee goes to Madeline's to get old pictures of Michael to use for her... CIA dossier on Russian Michael, but she doesn't want to let Madeline know for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why. Because she specifically needs pictures of Michael back in his military days. Yeah. Like, she needs, like, military photos of Michael. Um, and yeah, she's They sort Madeline, of explain it later, but it's kind of weak. Yeah, but yeah, the fact that they didn't want to tell Madeline was just confusing. Because it's like, oh yeah, we need it to set up an alibi. Do you have any pictures and of him like, from his it's army It's not days? like they get but, a lot out of it either. Like, no, of course not. The actual scene care. isn't that fun. No, because well, Fiona's excuse is like, oh yeah, we just like wanted to look at old pictures. Like a wee thing. Like they just like sit in bed and look yeah. at old pictures of Michael from his abused childhood. While eating popcorn. And days in the armies. Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay. Like, it's not even a fun oh. lie. It's just a And they don't even one. get to, like, we don't even get to see her make the dossier and, like, look at yeah. pictures. Remember that one episode where, like, they needed an old picture of Michael and he's like, I like this picture. 
like, Fiona's like that the picture sucks. would have been fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just again, feels like a wasted I really need scene. To stress which they're usually how isn't. much our problems with this episode have nothing to do with the way that our converse- conversation with Michael Horowitz went. See, I'm not concerned about that because, like, listen, we say what we say, and I also like I unabashedly love Michael Horowitz's writing usually. Oh, but no, yeah, yeah. It, it's I do it's too. funny, and you know, and remember, so when we first tweeted at Michael Horowitz, we didn't mention this part. So like, we had a brief conversation with him in public on Twitter, and then he moved it to DMs, and then we moved it to email. And the public conversation was, I explicitly asked, "Do you want to be on an episode of the podcast? We the next one that you wrote." is episode 14 like would you want to come on and he and he said uh well maybe have you guys already talked about episode four so he even he made the distinction when we were talking to oh him yeah that he liked that other episode better and i don't I think, think this that, was a great experience for anyone yeah i don't i don't yeah i don't think he enjoyed this episode <laughs> Like, it's clear, um, because, like, Michael Horowitz doesn't waste scenes, usually. Like, the no. whole reason that I love him as a writer is because of that tightness. Like, everything always matters, even if it's just for, like, a little thing in scene. But this episode, there was a lot of just sort of, like, middle blah scenes, like, expositionally getting us from, what like, point A to point B. And usually yeah. he has a lot more fun with those scenes. But in this episode, I don't know, something just wasn't connecting for him. And it's very interesting to watch. And a, a writer that we usually like adore and really pick at in terms of like all of the little moments that we enjoyed, like, you know, kind looking of at flail. the array of Easter eggs. But right. yeah, it's just, it's nothing. It just looks like he wasn't trying very hard, honestly. Like, that's what it reads like to me is he just like, there's just no effort. And I do wonder how episode. much of this is in the direction. Because like, normally a Michael Horowitz episode is in the hands of a much more confident director. Sure, but a lot of it is just, like, the dialogue is boring and nothing happens in the scene. And, like, a yeah. lot of that comes from the script, you know, of, like, no, yeah. what they're doing and, like, banter. But, I mean, banter. even just, like, it could be, I don't know how many drafts scripts go through before directors get involved. Sure. Uh, anyway. So, meanwhile, Michael follows Damon as he meets with Rick, who works at a speaker store and is also a DJ. And is also Damon's partner. AKA the on this worst person in the planet. Yeah, Rick is like awful. And is probably the brains, though, because Damon seems like an idiot. Like an He's actual just a fashion idiot. designer. Exactly. Um, so Michael bugs the place from outside using spy science, but the spy science interacts with the speakers, tipping Rick off. And Michael has to escape at the last minute by jumping on top of a truck, which is cool. I like this a lot. Yeah, this was this was a fun sequence. Yeah, I like that the spy thing went wrong in a way that like is kind of cool and sciency. And then like Rick actually seems like kind of a threat a little bit, and so like Michael mm-hmm. has to like escape. Um, this is a really cool shot where like Rick comes out and Michael is like on top of like the building or like, like a, a, yeah, it was almost like a fire escape or like, it was a, like a fire like escape overhang. or something, some sort of ledge. And so yeah. Rick is looking around, but Michael's above him. And then the truck goes by and he just jumps on the truck and we're like looking up at it. And that looks really cool. I do like that. Yeah, that uh, was fun. And, and that I would say is something that's like uniquely Horowitz to me in that yes. like, uh, spy stuff goes wrong. And so he has to improvise in like a, an, an exciting way. And it also kind of helps that we're all kind of familiar with the way that, like, 
speakers will sometimes interact with like phones and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the interference. So, yeah, we've all heard like that sound and stuff. So like it makes sense. Um, so at the loft, Sam tells Michael that police have found more planted evidence linking Tim to the murder. Uh, but he's also found info on Rick, uh, who is, again, a DJ with a rap sheet, but no paper trail connecting him to Damon, which means they're going to have to connect the two themselves. Right. So, Sam's plan. Let me get in, we're about to get into the other thing about this episode. Sam's plan is that he's going to go to the fashion house and pose as a CSI investigator at the fashion house. This is the and only, the, tip, this is the best joke in the episode. And, and to like tip Damon off that perhaps the cops have a new theory about two guys working together. And maybe the cops have realized that it might not be just Tim. And so he goes in and like, he mostly is just playing himself the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like he's not doing a character. He's just, because, like, he doesn't do characters. He's just wearing a lab coat, and he's a CSI investigator. (laughs) But at the end of the scene, he, like, puts on sunglasses like fucking David Caruso on CSI Miami and does, like, one of those CSI Miami, like, puns. While, like, the lighting and the camera just sort of, and, like, it's so wild. It's I, like, that was the one thing that I did remember from the first time that I watched it was like, oh, that's funny. That's a good joke. It, like, it is it wild, though. Like, no contextually, sense. yeah, contextually, it would be an insane thing to happen and for him to be like, I'm sorry, did you just do that? What's happening here? Exactly. No, it would makes no sense at all. It's, like, ridiculous. And, like, the fact that he's doing this, he's, I, he has to be doing it. Just for him. I mean, he's doing it just for us. Like, it kind of takes you out of the moment because it's very meta and, like, oh, yeah, reminds fully. you that they're both TV shows. I will say, I'm not sure. I think I remember this from the first run. <laughs> oh, really? From when you originally watched this show? Yeah. I think I remember them hyping up this gag and, like, ads and stuff. It's such a weird little thing. It's, like, pretty fun. Anyway, Michael. It's very fun. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense contextually, but it's extremely fun to, you know, watch. Yeah. And this, by the way, is definitely peak Bruce Campbell. Yes. Oh, for sure. Sam was used well. So after this, Michael meets with Damon in the parking garage and shows him that he has Tim's girlfriend, played by Fee, tied up in his trunk. Uh, And this is also kind of fun, too. Um, Fee says that Tim is leaving the country on a boat the next day, and that but before he leaves, he's going to tell the police that Damon totally did it, which Damon immediately confirms is true. <laughs> he's immediately like, "Yeah, well, I did do it," but like, "Hey, it's fine. Well, that's fine. Yeah, but yeah, I did. I did do it. Yeah, that was me. I did that. She's right when she said that I did it because I did do it." Uh, <laughs> and Michael tells him that he and his partner need to kill Tim on his boat before he goes out and like give some ex- specific instructions like you two need to go with a gun and shoot him on the boat do that this will be important later <laughs> so 
Fee, meanwhile, meets with Conrad again and gives gives him the file on Michael that we sadly don't get to see that much. Fee asks about the flight info, and Conrad tells Fee that the info is kept in a safe that's so safe and so constantly guarded that there's no way that any Russians could get in. So it's, like, safe. So you don't even have to worry about, like, Russians getting it. But thank you for this lovely reading material about how awful Russians are. Um, So Fee uh, decides that she has to tell him that there is definitely a Russian mole in his office and he needs to act quickly and like, to find out what is going on on this file, even though it would be very dangerous to try to steal this file, which the episode kind of plays up as like a kind of morally gray thing, which like it is, but in a way that the show always doesn't always do. Right. Meanwhile, Michael and Fee tell Tim about their plan. Tim is worried about being bait Tim is kind of worried that he literally told, like, two men to shoot him. I mean, I would, I would probably exactly. be a little concerned. Yeah. Um, and Tim is worried, but they assure him that he won't wind up dead. Um, he will, however, wind up arrested. But it's okay. But, but earlier, yeah, but yeah, because he wanted to be arrested anyways, because then it, that allows him to finally tell the truth. And also they've hid exactly. the knife in the guy's trunk or something. Yeah. Yeah, they also like, no, they hid the gun in the guy's trunk. So it's like, fine. Um, it's fine. That'll sell it. So Tim it's goes fine. to the docks. It's fine. As it's do fine. Damon and Rick. And Sam calls the cops. But the problem is, Damon and Rick do not have guns. Uh, Watching them above from a sniper rifle, Michael and Sam realize that they are not going to shoot Tim on the boat. Instead, they have planted a bomb and are going to blow him up. And so Michael has this scene where he gets one shot to blow up this bomb before Tim gets close enough that it will kill him when they blow it up. And so that happens, and then the cops arrive, and then Tim freaks the fuck out. Fee shows up in her car and is like, get in, get in the car. And he's like, ah, and he runs the opposite way mm-hmm. and gets picked up by the cops. Which was confusing to me because like Sam later, because he's like, man, I'm so sorry I didn't catch him. And Sam's like, listen, he panicked. We all saw it. Like there was nothing you could do. But like that feels like the exact wrong reaction to when you panic, leave the radius of the person who's like explicitly trying to help you. Yeah, no, it's that weird. was very confusing to me. Is like, because like he was right next to the car, and then he looks at her, and she's like, "Get in the car, I've got you." And he then like turns and runs to in be, the other direction. To be fair, perhaps this he thought, well, working with these people has never worked for me. They told me I was going to be fine, and then I almost got blown up. I guess. So perhaps I no, it was weird. I thought it was weird. Anyway, it happens though. Yeah, it sure does. Anyway, um, One so thing Michael you can decides, say is that it does happen. Yeah. Michael decides that what they have to do now is to split up Damon and Rick and get them to turn on each other, which is an old Burn Notice classic. So he calls Damon and tells him that Tim escaped from the police because he's so smart at what he's doing. So Damon needs to meet Michael at Damon's office. Um, so meanwhile... At the fashion house, uh, Tim runs into Sam's CSI investigator again, convinces Damon that the police are going in a different direction of the investigation, and Tim has flipped. 
basically. And he does yet another CSI Miami joke. <laughs> um, it doesn't make any sense. It is truly a wild choice, but I really enjoy it. Every time it happened, right. I was like, I'm glad this is happening. Yeah. Again, it was like from a slightly different kind of show. Oh, yeah, fully. It it it, it does not totally make sense with this show at all. Not in no. scene. Like, I, yeah, like I buy a... it as something they do with each other, like as like a yeah. joke between Sam and like Michael. Like that one. Remember that episode from like season two where Sam and Michael are like flapping receipts at each other <laughs> because they're both yes. trying to get the other person to like take the thing in their hands. Like that makes oh. sense to me. But in <laughs> in a scene with the bad Was that guy, a Horowitz? That might have been. Wild. Uh, what was it? Because Sam wanted him to pay for his lunch, and Michael wanted him to, like, go look into something for him. Yeah. I don't know what episode it was. I don't remember either, but it was very good. But, yeah, no, this is, like, a community gag. Mm-hmm. I do love it, though. Anyway, so Michael convinces Damon that the only way to get out of this is by framing Rick for the murder. Um, so they got to kill Rick and make it look like a suicide with a confession note and evidence and everything. So uh, Michael gives Damon a gun that they have rigged to not go off. Mm -hmm. And Damon goes into Rick's speaker shop and gets real mad and tries to shoot him. And when this doesn't work, they just start beating the shit out of each other. They're going to do like a full (laughs) slap fight. I mean, I bought Um, it. No, yeah, no, I bought it. Um, But it's delightfully anticlimactic, I think. Yeah, it's just like, like this this whole thing and it just ends with two men slapping each other in a gift stop. Yeah, and like fucking Sam and Michael are watching just like delighted. Yeah, like, it, it had fucking that dumbasses. Yeah, it had the energy of the of when that one episode where Sam shoots the ground and all the guys shoot each other and he's just like laughing outside. Yeah. Except in this case no one like died. Yeah, no one dies this time, just, you know. Like, they explicitly rigged it so that someone would not die. But yeah, they're all just watching, and then they call the police, and the police show up, and now there's a confession note, and all of this evidence. Uh, So it's a few days later, and Tim is free and clear, because Damon confessed, and and so Tim is now selling the company, and all the stuff, and who cares? Well, Uh, hang on, no, we need to talk about this for a second, because... He says he's they're selling the company and also that his former partner did a lot of work with like an animal rescue and they're donating all the proceeds of the company's sale to this animal. Yeah. Something which is very weird because the money isn't a bad like if you're selling your company like what is your livelihood now like do you need a job like this is the second example in this episode of like you can just keep some of the money like you don't need. You don't need to donate all of the money to this sold. Like, it's fine that you don't want to be in the business anymore, but, like, you legally are allowed to have the money. It's, like, supposed to be, like, an end to the running gag of her having a dog. Yeah, exactly. But it's, like, it's paying off the wrong thing. And it's, like, bro, you can keep the money. It's fine. People have dogs. Like, it's. It's a few years too late on, like, that very specific, almost Paris Hilton-y kind of conception of, like, like rich, blonde, rich blonde white ladies. Right. And, which yeah, I think... that's not really a thing anymore. Yeah, like, our conception of, like, rich socialites is slightly different now. 
And this isn't the first time Bernos has done this. There was an episode that, that, like, in, I think, season one where Fiona has to play a rich socialite, and she also has a little dog in a purse. Um, yeah. And, like... This is a very, like, 2000s thing. Right. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> so Fee calls Michael and tells him that she got a message from Conrad about the flight info. And she also says that Madeline's been calling a lot, so My- Michael should go see her. Michael goes to Madeline's to resolve the Madeline plot line. Oh, yeah, the model- uh, Madeline plot line of we have to borrow some photos for some reason. Yes. Uh, to resolve the Madeline plot line of we have to borrow some photos. And so Madeline uh, tells Michael that she knows that something was up with the pictures because when Fee gave them back, some military ones were missing. And she was like, what the fuck? I thought we were being honest now. And Michael says, it was a small job, and the last time that Madeline got involved, she got hurt. Which I like continuity. I do think that makes it make a little bit more sense. Barely. But it's still kind of barely. Like, Because yeah, like, like, she got hurt because, she, are you referring to the asset that she Yeah, turned? like because she hasn't done but anything like, since then. Exactly. But like that's also her turning an asset. She got hurt because she was having to, like hurt somebody potentially yeah no it doesn't make sense her giving michael of like an old photo of his for like a fake identity is just like oh okay what are you guys working on what are you kids working on this week like that's how i imagine yeah it's like not like my madeline was going to be involved um i think like the best the most generous read on this is that it's michael being an idiot and not the writers being an idiot but, but I feel like no. they, like, literally last episode, they, like, made this big statement that, like, she's part of the team. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. But then Madeline decides that it's okay because at least she's less in the dark than when he was in the military. Um, which I guess, well, whatever. But but first she says, oh, well, she didn't take this photo. And I always liked this photo because it was the first, the only time that you ever told me where you were. And Michael's like, oh, actually, it was, I, I only wrote you that note when I left that place because I didn't want you to know where I was. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Well, that happened. We were all there and it happened. We were all there. We, no one could say that it did not happen. <laughs> No one can say that this was not an episode of television. All right. So finally. Oh, God. There's Fee more meets with Conrad, the Russian guy. Right. Yes. At, I want to point out. Wait, no, no, no. A much Polish nicer restaurant Russians. than that French place from the episode a few episodes ago. <laughs> oh, God. You have to give it up about this fucking French restaurant. I think it was like, I mean, it was fine. It looked cozy and casual. Whereas, like, this looks like a nice place. And, like, the whole time, the whole episode's trying to make it, like, a big deal. But it's not. Anyway, they go to this restaurant that seems nice. Conrad gives her the info on what was in the safe. And it was a rendition file for a very high-security prisoner who cannot even be spoken to like he's fucking Hannibal Lecter or something. (laughs) Um, And, like, it's all guidelines for how you're supposed to interact with this very high stakes criminal that is like going to be on this plane. And it's clear, like that's what it is. Um, he says that, and this is wild to me. Conrad tells Fee this, and Fee in her American like outfit. And he's <laughs> yes, like- her American outfit, American Fee. <laughs> American Fee. And 
he like he's like good thank you for your help in defeating that like fucking russian spy motherfucker you'll never we'll never see him again it's like good fuck that guy and then conrad like leaves and then michael just walks like right past him like, <laughs> i know literally, i was like, hoping you'd mention that like literally right like like fucking ships in the night crossing like the fact that conrad does not see michael is wild a right Mm-hmm. While yes. they do not literally look at each other in the eye as this is happening. B, like, Michael immediately goes and sits down with her. Like, what if he comes back and is like, oh, I forgot my phone. What? <laughs> like, what the hell? This did not need to happen now. You could have uh, talked I about I don't it. Think they want, I don't think they wanted an extra day of shooting. They only had so many days. Literally anywhere else they could have talked about it. They could have picked that up on where they ever in the loft. They could have done that as a pickup in the loft. Just like really quickly. Like we need to get this really quick. It's like a couple of shots. Fucking wild. Yeah, no, it's it's absurd. It is an absurd thing that happens. Anyway, yeah, Gilroy wants to break this motherfucker out. This motherfucker's real bad. Probably Hannibal Lecter. Whatever. I will say, Episodes knowing on. that there's, like, a dangerous, like, prisoner that, some, that another, like, semi-dangerous, interesting guy is trying to break out, I was like, this is probably going to be exciting. Like, what if they actually no, do help him break well out and then have to, like, figure it out? Like, I don't know. I'm excited about this potential. No, there's I'm only two episodes left in the season, so yeah. I don't think it can go I'm wondering if we're going to get, like, an episode where they spend a lot of time on a plane, because I think that could be fun. That could be fun. Yeah, spies on a plane. Yeah, exactly. There's uh, a good Bones episode where they're stuck on an airplane. Do you ever watch Bones? Uh, yeah, I have watched Bones. Bones I've seen, like... surprisingly good show. Yeah, I've seen a surprising amount of Bones <laughs> because it was on television. Um, I've seen a lot of it. I've seen I've seen all of it twice at least. You seen all you, of it twice? That's too much bones. That's a lot of bones. Well, and I've seen some of it a lot. Because what happens with this kind of show is that like I will watch it. Like I'll learn that it's a thing, and know that like the first couple seasons are on like a streaming platform. I'll be like, I'll see what this is about. Then I'll get very yeah. obsessed with it. Watch all of that keep up with it for a little while, but I don't have television anymore. And if it's one of those shows that doesn't go directly like the next day to Hulu. And even if it does, like it's hard for me to keep up with it. So like I'll keep up with it for about a season and a half. And then like in between seasons, I'll fall off. And then when I remember that it's a thing again and like the finale is airing or something, I'll be like, Oh fuck, I got to watch bones again. But then it's like, well, it's been a while. So I got to watch all of it again. So I remember what was happening and like, literally you gotta like to pick up all the ongoing plot lines in bones. Bones has a decent amount of ongoing plot lines. It's one of the I mean, better does, procedurals in that like, way. Yeah. And also, like I like when I'm in the zone, like like that. It, I I enjoy things more when I'm in the zone with them. Yeah. Like when I have watched, like when I have all of the context like bubbling at the surface for like whatever is happening, especially if it's like the final season. But the problem is because of how much bones there is, or how much like some of these shows have in them, I will lose steam midway through my rewatch portion and then not yeah. pick it up again. I don't think I've ever watched more than like two episodes of Bones that happened concurrently. <laughs> like, I only ever watched Bones when it was on basic cable and it was, like, on. I'm like, oh, I kind of like Bones. Like, I like, it's, a very it's good got show. Bones on it. 
I like bounce. <laughs> but anyways, there's. Do you remember the episode on the airplane? I do not remember the episode. They, I don't remember so a they, single episode of Bones. Like I don't remember like the plot of an I episode. I remember a lot of, of them. They had an out bisexual character, and they didn't treat her like a slut. No, they didn't. Person. I remember the characters of Bones. I do remember one of the regulars turns out to be a murderer. Yeah, that was wild. So I'm just saying, spies yeah. on a plane. I would enjoy. <laughs> exactly, I'd enjoy too. Anyway, let's talk about spy tips. Ugh. If we must. If do you do you cut any spy tips before we get here? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I cut out the ones that aren't good and don't. I talk, okay. Like, here's the thing. I forgot to this week. You always forget to. It's this happens I, every no, week. No, sometimes I don't forget. You just don't remember the times that I don't forget. Mm-hmm. Because why would you commit that to memory? <laughs> I, I, know, legit, I, a lot of I assumed memory, like you were vamping so that I could go through them and delete some. Uh, I can keep vamping about Bones if you want. No, no. I, I literally <laughs> thought that was why you were talking about Bones so much. No, Chris. I just really like the show Bones. I literally now thought, I'm like, thank thinking. God she decided, thank God she's giving me time to do this by going on and on about Bones. <laughs> um, no, here's the most dangerous thing is that I'm, like, fully going to watch at least one episode of Bones after we get off the phone. Okay. I Okay, I went through and took out the worst of some of these but also like i like going through ones that are like not quite as good because i like pointing out when the show is bad more see and by why by the time we get to the spy tips i'm telling you right now i cut them out of the episode chris unless there is a particularly funny bit that would make the rest of the episode not make sense i cut out episode like spy tips in both of our episodes that aren't good because let's just say, like, fair. the show is bad. It's like, we've already done that for an hour and a half. By That's the time true. we get to spy tips, we've made our point. When you need to locate a foreign spy office, it's all about the food. Spies like home cooking just like everyone else. Find out who serves their regional delicacies, tip the bartenders and delivery boys well, and they'll usually tell you about who placed the big orders in the last national holiday. If some of those orders head to an office with a tight security and scowling workers with short haircuts, you're in business. Is that anything? I think there's some specifics there. Yeah, there's some specifics. I think that's a good point. I think you're probably, like, not a good spy if you do that. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's an element to which, like, that make that tracks for me. That tracks, yeah. There's a lot of, in this one. Recruiting an asset is about making your target feel important. Everything from the clothes you wear to the location of the meeting should communicate how vital the mission is. Wear the right outfit. Pick the right deserted bar, and your target will be ready to engage in some good old-fashioned espionage. And then a second tip that's, like, also in this tip is some assets work for money. Others believe in a cause. The most effective incentive, though, is a combination of the two. Yeah, I think that's that— two tips in one. It kind of is two tips in one, so I'll allow it. And I do think that, like, the second one makes sense to me. Yeah. Although there's less specifics in the second one. But, like, there also— like the specifics in the first part are kind of obvious. Yeah, I just um, I think I think that was enough for me. Yeah, no, I agree. When you need to make an approach as a spy, you need to choose a role that puts you in the center of the action and explains why no one's ever heard of you before. Claiming to be a criminal can kill two birds with one stone. You throw around some names and places and dates to confuse them, throw in some account books to make it sound credible, and make the dollar figures big enough to play to their greed. I think this was something, and I, I remember this tip in scene, and I and like it's it's intercut with like a montage of him just sort of like poking through books on the table and like picking out things from like context. And I think that makes sense. No, yeah. I you know, I think it's good. Um 
I feel like sometimes in episodes like this, we will have a lot of really vague spy tips and then one in the middle that's just like really equipment heavy. Yeah. And here's this one. Contact microphones pick up sound vibrations through walls, allowing you to eavesdrop on conversations. Pair one with a wireless transmitter, and you have a bugging device that doesn't need to be in the same room as your target. Of course, bugging a room from the outside makes it impossible to see potential pitfalls. Just as a cell phone reacts when it's placed too close to your alarm clock, a room full of speakers can create radio frequency interference if you're spying on someone with a wireless signal. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, so that's fine. It's an equipment-heavy one. Yeah, but like, and so there's a lot of specifics, and I wouldn't have thought about that. I'm into it. Yeah. This one seems kind of obvious, but it also set up the part that we love the most. Law enforcement cover IDs are tricky. Pose as a lead detective, and you all have unlimited access, but a single call to the station, and you're caught. You need to think smaller. Nobody questions the credentials of a lowly crime scene investigator. I think that makes sense. I and I and you also have the cover of like you're always bringing in like a suitcase and yeah. exactly. The thing about it is though, I have only seen like maybe half of an episode of CSI. The guy that he's posing as is like the lead detective, right? Well, yes. Like the, the, guy the joke who... he's making is the joke for him as the main detective is David. Grubel. Exactly. I also... That's another reason why it doesn't make sense. But it's good. <laughs> Finally. One of the many weapons in the spy arsenal is sabotage. Your enemy can't fight back when their vehicles won't drive and their weapons won't fire. If you're handing a bad guy a gun, you need it to jam accidentally. Fatiguing the trigger assembly to break under pressure is probably your best move. It's undetectable, so nobody gets suspicious and nobody gets hurt. Yeah, I think that's smart, especially com- like paired with what we see Fee doing to it and showing yeah. us what the trigger mechanism is. No, it makes sense. I hadn't read that last one, and so I went into it not knowing if it was going to be anything. <laughs> but it turns out it was. It turns it was out a it whole was. Something. Well, that was six spy tips. Yeah. Um, so it passes on spy tips. It sure does. Um, now, does it pass on spycraft or violence? I think it was spycraft. I think they did enough, like, behind-the-scenes shenanigans Mm. to count as spycraft. Yeah, no, I think so, too. How do we feel about the alias? There was barely an alias. It's just angry Michael Weston. It's just angry. Yeah, it's not a character. Again, I kind of like the idea. I like the con. But I don't Mm -hmm. like the character. Yeah, the character, like, the con was more interesting than the character, certainly. Yeah, no. And so that's nothing. But we've already agreed that... Sam was peak Bruce, Cam- Bruce, peak yes. Bruce Campbell in this episode. <laughs> doing the David Caruso was def- definitely doing the David Caruso a high thing. point. Um, so yeah, this is a this is a great episode. What did Fee do in this episode? Uh, what did Fee do in this episode? She kind of didn't do a lot. Well, no, she, she was she played American Fee. She was American. Yeah, Fee. that's right. Yeah, but that's like those, right. Because she was in that plot line. Yeah, she was in that plot but, like, line, that and that plot line was so forgettable that like by the time yeah. that I watched it yesterday, I was like, "What happened in that? I guess they found out about the plane, huh?" And then when I watched it today, I was like, yeah, that's it. This guy that's is it. nothing. He just, like, hates Russians and is Polish. And Fee meets with him a couple of times. And then he's like, yeah, there's a, there's a prisoner. And that's all we get out of that. Like, and then nothing he walks about those scenes right is interesting. Past Michael Weston. Yeah, exactly. But that, that, that actor, like, no offense to the Polish guy, but, like, he is, like, 
a charisma black hole. Like nothing yeah, about no, him is interesting great. or compelling at all. He does not play off anyone. Nobody can play off him. It's just nothing. No, he looks like every kind single of like... scene is nothing. They don't do anything fun in any of those scenes. No, he re- visually he reminds me of what's his name from Scrubs. Uh, Doctor Kelso. Kelso, yeah, but like like, chief of medicine. Yeah, yeah, Kelso, but without the like. I I stayed at the same hotel as Kelso uh, in Denver last year. I saw him in the restaurant a couple of times. Wild. It was very cool. I almost said hi, but I didn't because I thought it would be weird. Okay, so this is a great (laughs) episode of Burn Notice. Yeah, this is definitely a great episode of Burn Notice. You know, this is a is it a great episode of television? No, I don't think it is. No. Is this the first Horowitz that's this is. not a great he, episode? He broke his perfect record. I mean, it was bound to happen sometime because, like, even it the was. best writers. It is unfortunate you know. that it happened this episode. I, well, it's unfortunate this is the episode we decided to reveal the Michael Horowitz thing. Because, like, exactly. we've known, we, like, literally the, the day after we made contact with Michael Horowitz, before we recorded any new episodes, he was like, I'm actually out. So, like, we've known that Michael Horowitz is not our biggest fan for a couple of weeks. Uh, but no, we, were we like, know it that. Makes sense what we didn't only... know is that this episode's not very good. That's true. Yeah, we hadn't watched this episode when we got that. But I also think, like, he kind of, like, half acknowledged that it wasn't as good in, like, asking what episode we, we'd like to talk about with him. So I don't think that he's unaware that it's a, probably a weaker no, one. No, no. I, I mean, because it's not yeah, very inspired. Like, nothing interesting happens in it. It's no. just not a very inspired episode, which is too bad. Like, I wanted to like this episode. That's why I watched it the second time, because I was like, I knew we were going to be talking about the Horowitz episode, like the Horowitz moment and the Horowitz episode. Like, I knew that I love this writer. And so I was like, maybe I just wasn't being fair. Maybe I need to, like, watch it again and, like, actually, like, truly, fully pay attention. And I did. And it was. It's not a lot there. It's just not. There's not a lot there. All right. Like, it's not bad. It's just sort of nothing. Yeah, it's just sort of that. Yeah, nothing. Um, what's not nothing is our theme music. Um, so thank you again to Vincent E.L. for our theme Such music. If you segue. want more from Vince, go to vincentel.bandcamp.com. I highly recommend it. And beyond that, there's nothing left else to say, but bye. Michael Horowitz, we love you. Please come on the show. I still love you. Even after all of this.